Hello everyone and welcome to episode 305 of the Ask the Coach show where ping skills helps you improve your table tennis. I'm Jeff Plum and as always I'm joined by super coach Alois Rosario. Welcome Alois. Uh, thank you Jeffrey and uh, yes, uh, uh, welcome to the first day of uh, what's, what's this uh, autumn. autumn. <laughs> yes, we've just left summer here, 1st of March in, in Australia. Yes. Yeah, um, it's um, it's interesting, Alois, because you have a great segment all called "On This Week." Yes, indeed, and uh, and yeah, first of March. It's an interesting day because you know there's there's a few people that um, that miss out on birthdays on the 29th of February, and um, yeah, so you know it's it's sort of a pretty uh, jam packed sort of time of year because there's an extra day in there that of birthdays <laughs> now if you were if you did happen to be born on a leap year alloys yes would you celebrate your birthday on the 28th of february or on the 1st of march i don't i i think i would probably celebrate mine on the 28th of february yeah i i kind of agree because you were born in february so you got to do february but Yes. But my son pointed out, though, that that's really a day early and the 29th of February is really like the 1st of March if you miss a day. So he was like, you should go the 1st of March. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's interesting because on our on our list of birthdays, I know there's a couple of people on there. Well, there's definitely one on there. Um, Barry Griffiths, a, new, a great New Zealand uh, table tennis player who's actually born on the 29th of February, but uh, his birthday is listed as the 28th of February. I think he's just trying to cheat a few birthdays. We all know, Barry, that you're not that old. <laughs> Does he still act like a kid? Uh, very much so. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So, oh, so Barry Griffiths. Okay. Any other interesting birthdays in and around that time? Yeah, well, there there, there are quite a few. Just, yeah, sort of on the, the more local note. Um, so, Melissa Tapper, who uh, was the first... Uh, Australian sports person to qualify for both the Paralympics and Olympics. Yeah, uh, what an effort! Amazing. Yeah, and uh, and, she and also... how great for the game! We got a lot of lot of coverage um, when she did um, did that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a huge feat to be able to uh, compete at both uh, Olympics and Paralympics, and and she's also um, competing at the Commonwealth Games, which is coming up in April. Um, in both the able body and para events there so uh, wow apparently only 34 days away 34 well yeah it's opening ceremony is on the 4th of april so uh, that would be about right mm. and, uh, yeah so other other uh oceana players i suppose so mark smythe you know another uh, australian uh, table tennis player um Birthday on the 1st of March. Yes, and a very successful coach here as well now that he's finished his playing career. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and also Lee Chun-Li, um, a former, well, I think she still plays. I don't know. She's, so she was born in 62, Jeff. So how old does that make her? Um, that must make her 56. 56. And she um, she won the Commonwealth Games Women's Singles uh, in 2002. So uh, when she was pretty old, you know, and she beat uh, she beat some pretty strong Singapore players at the time. So uh, Lee Chun Lee is just an absolute machine of a player. Um, so her birthday was the twenty eighth of February um, as well. 
Um, okay, so these are all local players. Do you have any, you know, really good birthdays, world famous players for us? Well, I've got, I've got two. I've got one uh, a Paralympic gold medalist in the class eleven, Florian Van Acker. Wow! So uh, yeah, he won the uh, he won the the Paralympic gold medal in Rio, beating a, an Aussie player, um, Sam von Einem, in the final. That's right. Uh, Yep, so his birthday was on, on the 28th of February. But I suppose the real biggie, um, and one of my favourites, because uh, I saw him win a world championships, and that is Jiang Jialiang. Uh, his birthday coming up on the 3rd of March. From China. From China, yeah. So Jiang uh, won two world singles championships in 85 and 87, and I had the uh, privilege of playing him at the Asian Championships in, in 86, right in the middle of those two um, uh, world championships wins. And, uh, of course, the, the 87 championship is when he beat Waldner in the final in that epic match. Yeah, I remember um, watching this on a, on a video player, on a video cassette. Does anyone know what that still is? Um <laughs> like long after the event, but I remember one thing just stood out was um, Zhang won a point and he walked right around Waldner's side of the table, pumping his fist the whole way around. And Waldner was sort of, I think he must have been back of the court and sort of turned around and looked and he's like, what's he doing around my side of the table? It was kind of... It was <laughs> yes. Very uh, funny. Wal- yeah, Waldner was pretty young at that time too. So, uh, yeah, but... Um... Yeah, so Jang uh, is 54 years old on the 3rd of March. There you go. Still not as old as Lee Tan Lee. No, exactly. wonder if he'll ever catch her. Uh, yeah, I thought your maths was good, Jeff. <laughs> uh, dear, just being funny. Which brings me on to an interesting um, observation, Alois. Yes, Jeff. I-, I asked my son the other day if, if he'd yeah. seen my newspaper... And yep. he told me newspapers are old school. He said that people use tablets nowadays, and he handed me his iPad. That uh-huh. fly did not stand a chance, Alois. <laughs> Smashed him to smithereens. I can just see your son shaking his head at you like I am now, Jeff. <laughs> it's very effective, the iPad at... Getting the yeah, flies. Sure mm. it is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Alice. Yeah, uh, anyway. Yeah. Should, should we move on? Oh, definitely. <laughs> All right, it's time for the tournament wrap. And there is, of course, the um, the Team World Cup to talk about. What an exciting tournament this was. Yeah, it was. It was a great tournament um, held in England. And, and quite a lot of um, interest um, in England. Um, and I suppose... Uh, the the fact that the English men's team made the semi final would have heightened that uh, that interest. Um, they uh, they performed brilliantly again. So we know that um, they uh, they beat Brazil in the quarter final three one, and it was just an absolutely epic match. You know, um, Liam Pitchford had a had a real standout tournament, um, having some great wins. You know, he beat Harry Moto, but the way he beat Harry, he absolutely demolished Harry Moto. Um, and uh, against Brazil, he beat um, uh, I've forgotten his name now. Um, the, uh, 
But isn't it <laughs> but, good to see, um, yeah, some different countries back up there? I mean, England used to be really strong, dropped down a little bit, but now they're, they're really powering back up the world rankings. And I, I think it's good to have a bit of turnover and new new blood there. Yeah, exactly. And and, and Pitchford's exciting. So he beat, he beat Calderano, but he beat Calderano four, six, and six, mm. which is which is just incredible, really. Um, yeah to be able to beat a player like that. Um, so Liam Pitchford, he talked a little bit about, you know, he's been doing a, a bit of work um, on uh, on psych over the last period. And, um, and you know, may, maybe that's made a, made a real difference. But, uh, yeah, a real real standout tournament for him. Um, so other, other results there. Um, Germany um, went down to China 3-0, but uh, we know that uh, Bol uh, didn't feature... Um, at the uh, at the World Cup, yeah, um, he didn't play. Um, so China winning three nil against Germany, then beating uh, England three nil in the semi final. Um, Korea beat France three two in an absolute nail biting uh, match. I think went down to the fifth in the decider as well. Uh, Japan beat Hong Kong three two in their quarter final, and then Japan beat Korea three two in the semi final. And uh, but. <laughs> It was the all-conquering China, and um, you know the final was just absolutely devastating. They, I think, they lost one game in the final. So, yeah. uh, you know, so uh, let me just uh, click up the scores there for you. Do you think uh, they had a point to prove after the new ranking system knocked them down a little? Yeah, maybe, but I think they're just that good. Um, <laughs> True. I think, that, I think that's the, that's the point. So, um, you know, they. Yeah, they lost one game, um, and that was Ma Long lost a game to Koki Niwa. Um, so Zhu Zin and Ma Long won their doubles, 8, 9, and 7. Uh, Fan Zendong beat Harimoto, 7, 4, and 8. And Ma Long beat uh, Koki Niwa. Um, so he won the first 80. actually lost the second game, 11, 3, but then uh, won the last two games, 5 and 3. So um, um, pretty pretty awesome effort there by, by China. Um, and you know we did uh, we we did pick them at the start you know really uh, real big fortune tellers we were um, picking China to win the men's yeah uh, and um, and in the women's uh, teams so again it was a real devastation by China so the final um, again once again was against Japan and again only losing one game and that was in the doubles. Um, so the Chinese team of Lu Xi Wen, Ding Ning, and Zhu Yu Ling. Um, that's that's you know the three <laughs> pretty strong team. Yeah, the three best players from the last you know four or five years, um, all in the one team, um, beating Hinaheada, Mima Ito, and uh, Kazumi Ishikawa. But the singles, you know, the Zhu Yu Ling beat Ishikawa five seven and seven. Ding Ning beat Mima Ito seven nine and eight. You know, just never Japan were never at it. And as we said, you know, Japan were the number one seed just because of the new world rankings. Yep. But but um, yeah, never really the number one seeds. Um, China always the favourite there. Yeah. So so hopefully so- that ranking system will sort it out and China will play better because you really want the ranking system to kind of reflect who is the best, and I think it will, um, but we just need to give it a bit of time. Yeah, um, so I saw some rumours that uh, maybe Bol was going to be number one in March, so that would be interesting mm. um, when that's released. Uh, Bol won, win, uh, won the European Championships, so um, 
Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, European top 12. Well, that yeah, should be released very shortly. Yes. Probably and not. what about uh, the new the new format, Alloys, where they play, you know, a doubles and then uh, yeah. two other players play singles? What, what was the reaction to this? And what yeah, did you think of it? Yeah, it was it, uh, no, no great reaction to it. But, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting format. But I think it's better than the previous formats. So with this format, they play the doubles first. Uh, but the, the order is then set, you know. So uh, every player plays two matches. They, you either play one doubles and a singles, or you play, or there's one player that plays two singles. So you need to make the call um, as to you know what you're going to what you're going to do um, before the match. So yeah, interesting. Don't know. Um, I mean, the best best teams won. Um, there were some good, exciting matches in the semis and quarters. So. Maybe format's good. I think uh, so. It's it. It was a tr- bit of a trial. It's the format they're going to use for um, the Tokyo Olympics as well. So yeah, let's see. Interesting. You know, I I think I'm still old fashioned. You know, like the newspaper. Um, <laughs> I I still like games up to 21 and <laughs> get off this. Oh, I've yes. already lost that argument. Move on. <laughs> Um, and I liked it when it was like three versus three and everyone played everyone because then you got to see, you know, well, everyone play everyone. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 do, I do sort of agree with you. Um, I think it's a, it's a more, it's a fairer system, but I think in this day and age, unfortunately, uh, with time constraints and, um, and TV uh, demands, you know, they're just not going to... Uh, broadcast a match that goes for three hours yeah four hours. true yeah it's got to be short and fast got to be quick so you know get with the program jeff <laughs> exactly yes. get rid of the newspaper <laughs> uh, very good all right well uh yeah excellent so that that was a huge success the world cup um if you haven't seen it try and have a look at some of the matches and stuff it's always great to watch the top players and yeah it was a spectacular event oh uh, sorry yes one, one thing i didn't mention and, and yeah probably for australia it was a big thing so hemming who um australia's number one player uh went up against um uh uh Ovtarov. In, uh, in their match against Germany. The world number uh, one. World number one. And, and actually took one game off uh, of Ovtarov. So uh, so that was, that was pretty impressive. I was talking to him yesterday and he said, you know, he, he, he was able to match uh, Ovtarov in the short game, which which was interesting. So, um, you know, he felt, he felt comfortable with the short game um, against Ovtarov. That's a really good sign, Alois, as we know, because we're always going on about, you know, how important the short game is, especially to those top players. So that, that's, you know, quite a big statement. Yeah. We talked about that, uh, on last week's show, the importance of the short, short push. So yeah. Yeah. And so, but yeah, just for, for Australians, really, really good signs. And he, he wasn't just Ovtarov. He had some good results against Korea as well, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so no, yeah, good tournament for Hemming, uh, definitely. Yeah. He'd really. Go Aussies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on, Alois, to the tip and drill or the trill of the week. Yeah, and a little bit different today. I've sort of, yeah, just maybe divided them up or they're a bit different. Or um, So the, the tip of the week is really 
just to see if you can add an extra training session to your week. Mm. So, um, you know, we, we often talk about um, how much you can practice, but even if you can just add a short training session to your week, um, you'll be surprised at how much that actually helps, you know, especially if you're going from, say, one training session to two, um, you're going to find a really big difference in, uh, in your ability or your improvement. Well, you suddenly, yeah. and I know I am good at maths, Alois, you've doubled the amount of practice you're doing. <laughs> That's, you see, I knew you were brilliant. <laughs> That's right, Jeff. You've doubled your practice time. Um, but, but even if it is a short session, you know, I mean, you might only have uh, 20 minutes or so. So that extra session could even just be a serving session. Um, mm. So that's, that's my uh, drill of the week is to is to add a serving session to your to your week. Um, so that's something that you can do by yourself. So even if you um, are down at the club early or down or you've got a table at home or wherever you go, you don't need to organize a training partner. You don't need to organize anyone else. Just get a bag of balls. And it only needs to be, you know, 10 or 20 balls um, and uh, and get out there and just do an extra uh, serving practice session this week. Yeah, great, great tip. Um, and, you know, in our 52-week training plan for our premium members, we, we often emphasize um, the importance of that and have serving in the in the training plan. Certainly helps. Now... Alois, in terms of other uh, learning other skills like music, for example, I know a lot of teachers say it's better off doing 15 minutes every day rather than you know trying to do uh, a two-hour session like once a week. And I guess that makes sense because you're kind of always involved. But in table tennis, that's a little harder because you've got to try and organise a partner and organise um, you know a, a place to meet. Um, but what do you think about those sorts of suggestions? Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's good. Um, yeah, I think if you if you have the option of doing you know three one hour sessions compared to one three hour session, then you know go for the three one hour sessions because then your your brain's got a bit of time to to process what you've done uh, during your session as well. Yeah, um, over, over that day or whatever it is, and um, yeah, that that is a that is a good way to go with table tennis as well. Excellent. All right. Very interesting. Okay. Well, let's move on to some questions now, Alois. We've got some good ones, so I hope you're um, you're ready to provide some valuable answers. Oh, yeah. I hope they're good ones, and I hope <laughs> answers are valuable. All right. Well, here's Otherwise, easy... we won't have any listeners, Jeff. <laughs> That's right. Um, well, here's an easy one to get started with, and it's a good question from Greg. He says... How would I score this situation? If two people are doing a drill and I'm using the consistency chart, do um, do I? How do I count? Do I count just my own hits, or do I count a hit for each of the each of the players? What's the best way to kind of do this scoring when you're trying to work on consistency using our consistency chart, Alois? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, good question, Greg. So it's up to you a little bit, but um, so you can either count each uh, hit. So if we're playing, if Jeff and I are playing together, so each time we hit the ball, so it's one, two, three, four, uh, with each of our hits, or you could just count your hits, so the number of hits that you do. Um, so I mean, that's that's a fairly uh, you know similar number. You're just doubling it if you're counting both hits. But where it can be interesting is then if Jeff makes a mistake, as he always does. If Jeff- <laughs> 
if Jeff makes the mistake, then you can keep going with your counting. So, uh, you know, we might have both hit 20 shots each. Uh, Jeff makes a mistake. So my next shot is 21, whereas Jeff goes back to zero um, and uh, and starts again. So his, he, he would record a score of 20. And I would, uh, if I ever made a mistake against Jeff, um, <laughs> you know, uh, write that score down when I made the mistake. Um, I, if you asked me the best way to do it, I think the best way to do it is to, um, to if one of us makes a mistake, to that both of us write that score down. Um, because otherwise it tends to uh, get you to perhaps, if you're struggling, you know, hit the ball a bit faster uh, to make it harder for your opponent, whereas the consistency drill initially is more of a cooperative drill. So where you're, you're both trying to work on your consistency, make it easier for each other to uh, keep the ball on the table. Um, so if if that's what you're aiming for, then um, if either of you make a mistake, then you write that number down. Yeah, and I, I like that too, Alice, because as you said, it's, it promotes the teamwork and it's important that you place the ball well so your opponent... Oh, your opponent, so your teammate... Um, has an easier shot as well and so then you kind of you are really working together and I think it probably brings about the consistency more quickly which is what you're after in these drills yeah consistency and accuracy that you you, you talked about there that's right Jeff yeah, yeah excellent all right great question Greg and now Alice we've got another question from Greg he says can we still do regular practice one week before we play a tournament um, yeah, so he says regular practice like your um, examples in the 52-week training plan. Yeah, so he talked about the session 52. So um, session 52 of our 52-week um, training plan is designed um, as the week before a tournament. So the last eight um, uh, sessions on the, in the 52 weeks um, are basically a lead-up to playing a tournament. So, yeah, so week 52 would be ideal to do the week before a tournament. So what's so, important about that week 52 different from a, like week one, for example? Yeah, so we're, we're now focused more on uh, the serve, return, uh, third ball, uh, and the, the early part of the rally um, and making it a more competitive environment. Um, week one, uh, we're focused on consistency and just building up the uh, strokes, techniques, etc. Whereas week 52, we're now uh, in, in preparation for the tournament, we're making all the drills more game-like. Okay. When you say it like that, it just seems to make a lot of sense. <laughs> there you go. Every now and then, Jeff. Every now and then. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, all right. So great questions, Greg. Hopefully they help you out. Um, yeah, and anyone else listening, yeah, just remember, if you're coming up to a tournament, remember to make your training more game-like. Um, yeah, more service, more returning. All those things Alice said. Great. All right, next question is from Tam. And he wants to know, Alois, could you tell me how a defender could beat the style of Wei Shi Hao, um, who just blasts through with their forehand regardless of the chop that's put on the ball? Yeah, so, um, so Wei Shi Hao's got a huge forehand. He's a left-hander. Um, great forehand. Um, so... Tam, the, the main thing against um, an attacker like that when you are, de are a defender is to start to break down their their rhythm and their confidence. If you just give them the same ball, you know, if you keep chopping 
the same ball and they've got a huge forehand, they're just going to start hitting um, big forehands past you. So what you need to do is you need to start to add plenty of variation to what you're providing to to a player like that. So the idea is to, to mix it up between uh, chopping and attacking. And it doesn't have to be a strong attack. It's just to change the spin on the ball. But then also just moving them around a bit, um, the, putting them into a, dif, a different or a difficult um, position so that it's harder for them to make that forehand. Um, it's, it's funny, like you, you often see um, a defender playing an attacker and it can be really one-sided uh, for part of the game. But as soon as you start to throw a little bit of doubt into the attacker's mind, then you can start to really change the rhythm and the, and the mood of the match. Um, and, it, and sometimes it doesn't take all that much. You know? So um, in, if you think about it from your point of view, um, when you're playing, you know, if um, your opponent's providing you a, a simple ball and you're attacking and it's just all going well and everything flows, but if they suddenly give you something different, then you need to just think about it a, a little bit. Um, if you make a mistake or two, then you start to doubt yourself. Um, and then things can spiral downwards. So, so it, Tam, it's about just uh, providing lots of variation and just trying to find that little bit of doubt that uh, is always in the back of the attacker's mind. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point because sometimes when you watch, you just think, oh, his forehand's awesome, there's just nothing I can do. But as you said, yeah, you, you, know, you, you stop them attacking on the serve or something, then you make a a real heavy push to a position they're not in place to play that forehand. And, yeah, just little little things you can do can, yeah, can change it up. Very, very yeah, good. And, Sorry? Yeah, and, and also just, just breaking up the, the rhythm of the actual match. So, you know, maybe just um, using your tail break um, after your six points, you know, just slowing slowing the game down a little bit, just taking one or two seconds longer in between points. You know, just give them a bit of time to start to think about how well they're actually hitting the ball. Um, so, uh, yeah. you know, just yeah, just just do something different. Yeah, great tips there. Hopefully they help you out, Tam. Okay, next up is a question from David. And he says, You've mentioned on several occasions on some of your videos that I should be watching the Serving Secrets Revealed Um videos he says i'm not or dvd he says i'm not sure why i can't find this where do i look yeah so um so th that would be some old references david um so serving secrets revealed is um was one of uh our early works um it was a dvd that we had um that had a lot of um serving videos on there now alloys they said we were i said i was old-fashioned but we've really moved ahead this no dvds anymore we're just just all digital, just all, you know, streamed. That's right. That's us, Jeff. <laughs> Update, modern. Um, yeah, so that's that, that's right. So now now all of those videos are, are on the website and uh, they're all part of our tutorials. And we've updated a lot of them as well um, from the old DVD videos. So, yeah, so, so wherever we mention Serving Secrets Revealed, the best thing to do is just go to the Ping Skills website. You click on the tutorials link, which is... 
up one of the main links up the top the first one and then you click on it'll show you a drop down menu and you click on serving and receiving and in there we've got a whole range of serving and receiving modules um, so yeah so you know start with our introduction to serving then we've got must learn serves teach you all about the pendulum and the tomahawk and the backhand serve and then, then, then there's a lot of um, frequently asked question videos in there and of course we've got our advanced serving as well so yeah so go go to that section and that's where you'll find all the information on serving uh, these days yep up to date Jeff up to date that's absolutely nice. All right. Thanks for that question, David. Uh, next up is a question from Alexandros. He says, hi there. I want to buy a pair of table tennis shoes, but due to my large size, he's got 48.5 size shoes. That's the Europe way of measuring. And he says, I can't seem to find any that fit. Can you recommend an alternative shoe? My table tennis coach says volleyball shoes have the same principle. Yes, well, uh, your your coach is right, uh, Alexandros. So uh, you basically, you, you want a, an indoor sports shoe. And yeah, the volleyball shoes are pretty similar. Um, indoor football or indoor soccer uh, shoes are, are fairly similar as well. The main thing with, uh, with the shoe is that you want a fairly low profile um, on the shoe. So yeah, not, not a big, high built up shoe. Um, that's because we're moving laterally a lot. And if you've got a, a high built-up shoe, it's going to be easier to twist your ankle. So you want a fairly low profile, but you also want something that's light and something that has good grip because, uh, as you know, in table tennis, you need to be able to stop and change direction quickly. So so they're the things you're looking for. And a lot of those indoor shoes fit the bill. Um, so even squash uh, shoes um, are similar as well. So volleyball, squash, indoor football, soccer um, have the same principle on them. Um, we we do have a very old um, tutorial on uh, table tennis shoes um, that you can have a look at as well. But um, yeah, but that that is the principle, and your coach is absolutely right, Alexandros. Excellent. All right. So yeah, um, that's interesting. Forty-eight point five. What is that in? Um, that sounds like a big. A Very big large. foot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, hopefully that helps you out, Alexandra. Let's go get some shoes and, um, yeah, hopefully you'll be gliding around the court like Ma Long. Um, next up is a question from Zach who says, I have a friend that I play a lot and he uses a lot of spin. He's got side spin and back spin. And every time one of his balls hits my paddle, I either hit the net or go off to the side. He goes, I play fine against people who are flat, but how do I play against this spin? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Zach. And this is this is um, an area of the game that can be really baffling when you um, start to play uh, players that you know, have played at a club level or, um, or have played a little bit. Um, the the main thing is just to just to start to understand what's happening when they're when they're spinning the ball. So uh, by the ball spinning, it's going to hit your racket and and fly off in different directions. And at first, it can be really daunting and really confusing. But the the, the main thing is initially is to just really watch and feel where that ball goes uh, when it's hitting your racket and which direction it's going, and then just trying to. Um, adjust by changing the angle of your racket. 
Um, so don't try and do too much with it. Just, you know, just play around a, a little bit. Just try to get the feel of what's happening um, and just try to learn as much as you can um, when, when you're starting off. So yeah. uh, It can yeah. seem, Alois, that at first it can seem like it's almost random the way the ball spins off your bat. But, of course, if you think about it logically, it's not. You just need to be able to learn to read the type of spin and the amount of spin and then you'll... you'll gradually build up the knowledge and work out how it's going to react off your bat. Yeah, that's right. And and then relating that to the movement that your opponent has made to to make that spin as well. So oh, just yes. Yeah, and just putting all of that together. And it takes time. Um Zach, you know, it's not something that can happen in a day. Um it will take, you know, some weeks or months or whatever it is just to get the feel of uh of what's happening. I mean, um the thing is, if you watch top-class table tennis, you know, sometimes a player will serve and, and a, a high-class uh, opponent will still make a mistake on the return. So, um, yeah, so, you know, it's it spins a really interesting part of the game. Yeah, certainly. And um, uh, as we mentioned in the uh, earlier question, Zach, if you want to learn about that, a good place to go is to our receiving tutorials. So... Uh, click on tutorials on the main site and then serving and receiving in the drop down list and the yeah. reason receiving is a good place is because the uh, a common starting point for this spin is in a serve so uh, your opponent will often put a lot of spin on the serve so when you start to understand how to receive those serves that's where you really learn about spin and how to return spin so that's a great place to go yeah we're also uh, in the process of doing our training 101 uh tutorials and uh yeah session eight of that will be just around how to start to um to recognize spin and you know if you're if you're new to table tennis and going down to a club for the first time you know what should you do yeah so we've got the first five up on the website of that series at the moment under the training section um and yeah the the next three will be coming up shortly so keep an eye out for that Great question there, Zach. And that's a really good way to wrap up this show, Alois. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate your support. Make sure you're always checking out pingskills.com. Tell all your friends about the website and this show. And thank you, Alois. And thanks, Jeff. And uh, thanks for listening, folks. And we'll see you again shortly. Bye. Bye.